Welcome back, everybody. This is John Cranham, Go To Dentist Podcast. Uh, we are really excited for this for this week. Uh, we've got an interesting guest that we'll introduce in a second. But before we get going, let's kind of reacquaint with uh, with our leadership team here and and see where everybody's at and what they're doing. PL, why don't you haven't been with us for a while? So where are you? What you're doing? And how are you doing? I'm good, you know, still here in Brantford, Ontario, Canada, and uh, practice has been up for a month, and uh, I'm super worried about getting back, but it's actually been steady, like you said, John, it's actually been uh, surprising, surprisingly right? busy, you know, and uh, now I'm not going to be taking any more vacation for the remainder of the year, it's all <laughs> making money. For the rest of your life, right? <laughs> yeah, for the rest of my life, <laughs> and uh, that's, that, it. that's it, that's it, I'm full, full, full steam ahead for until... Uh, uh, January 1st, uh, 2020, 2021. Uh, nice. Same boat. How about yeah. you, David? Where are you? Still in, I look like you're in the bunker there. What are you doing? I'm in a bunker. Yeah, I'm laying <laughs> low. I'm laying low in downtown St. Pete. So enjoying the sunshine, blue sky, and I'm temporarily not bouncing back and forth to New York because, you know, the governors are doing battle with one another. So they, they make me quarantine for 14 days. So I'm just going to stay in St. Pete for a little bit and let the let the storm pass. Yeah, it's a little bit like the war of uh, <laughs> between the north and the south there a little bit. But anyway, crazy. Uh, yeah. Well, I think St. Pete's probably a pretty good place to hang out if you have to be somewhere. Yeah. Well, let's get going. Uh, I think David, what I'm going to do is let you introduce our guest, and then we can get in it. I love it. I love it. So, gang, you're in for a treat today. We have with us Dr. Paresh Shah. How are you this morning, Paresh? I'm great, David. How are you? I'm fantastic, actually, and, and super grateful that you're here. You know, for those of you who don't know Paresh, I'm not sure where you've been hiding, but this is a, this is a great guy with great vision, talent, and, and one of dentistry's finest all-around people. So, Paresh, I want to kind of kick us off with, you know, really, for, for, for the people who want to learn more, like, you know, who is Paresh Shah? Who is you know Paresh Shah? The international man of mystery. <laughs> of mystery. <laughs> you know what? Um, uh, I, uh, I practice in Winnipeg, Canada. I've been practicing for 29 years. Uh, my practice has kind of evolved from doing just single tooth dentistry to try and become more like far more of an interdisciplinary way of practicing. And I just love what I do. I absolutely love it. So uh, part of part of my fabric has been to share and mentor other dentists in you know trying to inspire them to be better than average. <laughs> or I, I don't know what else to see. You know, that's just me. I love what I do. So I, I, I love practicing dentistry. I love sharing how I do things. I love learning new things. And the moment I stop wanting to do that, I'm going to pack it in, but I'm not ready to do that yet. How about just following up on that? How about beyond dentistry? What do you um, enjoy? You Tell know us what? about I, your personal life a little bit. I, we, a small family. Just have, we have one daughter. Uh, my wife's in corporate finance. She runs her own business here. Uh, and uh, we've been in, you know, my, my parents are in Winnipeg. My mother-in-law's alive. She, she's in Winnipeg. And so we, we have a, you know, most of our spare time right now is spent with family. I, I love golf. I grew up playing hockey as a Canadian. You did yeah. that for a long time, but I probably, I stopped maybe about 10 years ago. I was just couldn't keep up and was getting broken down. So um, we love to travel. It's the biggest thing we do as a family. We do a lot of that. I, it's obviously going to be different after COVID for a while, but um, yeah, to decompress, I enjoy reading. and It's not always personal wellness stuff. It's fiction, biographies, things like that. But uh, yeah, I'm missing the golf. I just had a, a knee replacement four and a half mm. weeks ago. So I'm just recovering from that. And I'm hoping to get back to golfing uh, for sure next year. Dude, we are like kindred spirits. I got a knee replacement <laughs> in my future coming too. So you'll have to tell me how that goes. You know Let's what? It, it's been great. And your, daughter, and your daughter's in perio residency, right? She is. She did. She went to school in San Francisco University of Pacific. And then, uh, and then she ended up practicing uh, in Chicago for almost two years with probably someone you know, Lou Graham. 
Uh, yeah. She practiced at Blue for a while and then came and practiced with me and then she started at Rutgers. So she just got back to her starting her second year. Uh, got back into clinic about two weeks ago. Awesome. So, yeah, awesome. it's fun. It's fun. All right. PO, Precious, fire away. Precious, is there an area of dentistry that you love the most and it, like of all the everything that you practice and do, is there anything that you like doing the most and how have you built your practice to grow in that area? So, yeah, I, I, I would say you know, the, the aesthetics and the more comprehensive treatments are, are, are what I enjoy the most. And the way I end up getting into doing comprehensive dentistry in, in Winnipeg, um, and I say that uh, respectfully, I love the city. I've been there for over 50 years. It's a great place to practice, but we don't, it's not like Toronto uh, where you, you have, or Chicago or LA where you can have a lot of niche practices. I think you can have a little bit, but the way I I've set up my practice and I continue to evolve my practice in an interdisciplinary fashion is to a lot of my treatment staged. That's the bottom line. And so learning about the different disciplines and how I can get my patients from A to Z in a way to fit their life because my patients aren't buying 10 or 15 or $20,000 worth of treatment and doing it at one time. They're doing it over years. So uh, it's the aesthetics and the aesthetics. When you're saying, where did I learn that from? My first mentor, John, you probably remember him, Paul, Paul Belvedere. Yeah. Uh, uh, Paul, I know Paul. Paul taught me so much including about fishing, which I'm still not yeah. good at, but, <laughs> but he taught me so much for, um, and uh, yeah, he died about two years ago. Right. But, uh, it was one of those things where he changed the way I look at dentistry and doing restorative dentistry. So he was probably one of my first biggest mentors and then grabbed a whole bunch along the way. Were you uh, really kind of immersed with adhesion with him? I was. So I, I, t- I, I got introduced to them and, uh, at the university of Minnesota, so did their whole continuum and I finished it in Buffalo with Fred McIntyre, who obviously yeah. David you're close with. So, so, uh, Fred was another mentor of mine kind of introduced me to interdisciplinary dentistry. Um, and then he actually ended up steering me towards Coyce and Spear. So I ended up going to, uh, going to John's programs after, but, mm-hmm. but he, he and Paul really just opened my eyes up to, the passion of dentistry after about eight years of just kind of doing drill and fill and not enjoying dentistry at all. Now, were you with, did you go to any of the stuff? Cause I did a lot with Coyce and Spear when they were together. Uh, I, I did not. I finished okay. all of John's programs after, after the um, divorce. I, okay. yeah, after they did that. So I, I, I've been a Coyce grad, so to speak, uh, done Mish as well. And then I also did, uh, after the University of Minnesota in Buffalo, I did my aesthetic program at the University of Buffalo. I finished it there because I wanted to do some of the hands-on work with patients with Fred. And the better, the best opportunity was coming to Buffalo and doing that. <laughs> and, uh, and then I did, um, I've, I've gone already to take a bunch of courses down at Spear as well, just because it's, it's a direct flight from Winnipeg, so it's easy to go down. Yeah, I noticed most of your training was really close to the border, though, so you could just get right back in Canada. Right, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and right now, it's a nice place to be, right, Pio? <laughs> now, it's right. A little less, uh, little less cases, huh, per capita? Yeah, uh, yeah. Compared yeah, to our friends down a, south. It, it's an election yeah. year, too, so it's always exciting yeah. in the States. So mm. especially yes, right, yes. right now, yeah. Lord have mercy. God help us. Like I think I think any of us four, any one of us yeah. could probably be a better candidate than the ones that we've got running. Right oh, hundred percent. Yeah. That's a, that's another that's a whole other story. Um let's think if there's anything else on that. No, I think that's good. Well, let's go to the third question. So what is it? What got you interested in dentistry in the first place? Did was you did you have a family member or let's hear that story? Oh man, this is a good one. Uh, so I was, I was finishing up. I was just about ready to start a, ma- a PhD in physiology. My master's was in physiology, and it was in molecular endocrinology, and I loved it about recombinant DNA stuff and gene mapping. 
I've okay, actually so you're, you're smarter than all of us. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually, I actually have some publications in the Journal of Endocrinology. Um, awesome. So I'm ready to start a PhD. My wife, who's in corporate finance and a CPA, and my dad, who's a retired obstetrician gynecologist, sit me down. I'm 25 years old, and they have an intervention, and they say, you don't look happy. You shouldn't do a PhD. You should go into dentistry. And I'm like, why dentistry? Why not medicine? My dad's, no, no, you don't want to do medicine. It's just not. They wow. actually filled out my application for dental school. <laughs> and uh, that's, and I talked to my advisor who was running the national, he was also the head of the Canadian, uh, the Medical Research Council of Canada, which is equivalent to your NIH. And brilliant man, one of the biggest mentors I've ever had in my life, taught me how to look at literature critically and evaluate myself. And he says, I think you'd make a, a really good dentist. And I'm like, what about a doctor? He goes, no, no, I think you'd do that. So anyway, I got into dentistry and I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, and then, yeah, eight years in, I was getting bored. And that's when I got introduced to Paul and Fred and all these guys. And all of a sudden it just opened up another layer of passion for me. Isn't that funny how your life changes on a, your life changes. You don't really realize it. in when you're 25, that when you start yeah. on a path, it just, you end up 20, 30, 40 years ago in a completely different place. Like, what do you think you'd be doing if you had been stuck on your, like if your parents didn't see that? Um, I would be fighting for grants with the yeah. NIH and the Medical Research Council, and I'd be doing some postdoc or running a lab. Um, that's what I would be doing, and I would probably enjoy it, but I, I don't think, I don't know if I would have the life that I've had, because the one thing is I've met people like yourselves and more. Um, I've, I've, I've influenced people. I've been influenced by so many people. I've traveled the world. Um, I've made a difference in people's lives in my own practice. So I don't know. I, I, I'd be sitting inside a walls with beakers and computers. Precious. Yeah, this one. Sorry, I just, just want to say, say dentistry is so fulfilling, isn't it? I mean, when you yeah. think about that. Go ahead, yeah. Pio. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. I just want to say, as a fellow Indian, it's usually the opposite, Presh, right? It's usually yeah. you say you want to go into dentistry, and your parents are yeah. like, what about medicine? Because right. every <laughs> Ontario Indian parent, like right. mine, pushed right. me into MD. And, right. and I yeah. even had an uncle when I got into dental school, and his comment was, well, it's okay. Not everybody can be a real doctor. That was my <laughs> uncle's comment. <laughs> You know, I, and, and I, I know there were some people in family, like, in, you know, one of my wife's uncles who, until I got a DR, it happened to be a dentist DR, I was just, I, I just wasn't at an equivalent level to him as a doctor. It was just kind of weird. <laughs> I love it. So I was yeah. lucky, guys. I came from a family of underachievers. So <laughs> just getting out of bed in the morning and not tripping over the curb on the front lawn was, was a success. But Perfect. All right, so here's here's a question. So it's it's eight okay. years post the family intervention. You've been doing yeah. for a while. Yeah. What was sort of the tipping point that that kind of led you to Paul, guys like Paul and Fred, and into the things you did inside of dentistry to get you, you know, where you are? I was uh, I, it, it dentistry. Even though I had my practice and. Uh, I did a GPR and then I worked as an associate for a few years and I had a practice about four years out. Um, I, I didn't, um, it was a job. It was my practice, but I was still punching a clock and I was like, is this all there is? I'm just fillings. And then, you know, maybe you're fortunate enough to do like four or five or six crowns, but it's just drilling and filling and scraping teeth. It, it just wasn't fun. Uh, and on top of that, I couldn't, you know, patients would come in with this mangled occlusion and I'd look at it and they go, what can you do? And I'd be like, I don't know. I got nothing. Like I literally would say sometimes, I don't know. I just don't know. And so it was like, oh man, is this all there is? And then all of a sudden, I don't know. There were a couple of friends that said, hey, you know what? There's some great programs at the University of Minnesota. Why don't you go? And then you meet people that teach you. And you just open your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all of a sudden you realize that 
hey, it doesn't it doesn't have to be unpredictable, right? I mean, right, <laughs> right, yeah. And then, but but there was another part to it that really, I when I got there, the people, the 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 four or five docs that were mentoring in the clinic with with Paul and Fred and Paula Lean were dentists that are now really good friends of mine. Um, two of them were Mike and Steve Flynn. And and there was a Mike Spencer who did all, and you might know him because he, I think he did all of Panky. Yeah, I know um, that name for sure. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, and he taught me how to massage the mandible to get the, <laughs> right. to get CR and all that. But, but the thing is what I noticed about them, I was in my early to mid thirties. They were in their late forties and they loved dentistry. They enjoyed their friendships and they had amazing relationships with their family and their kids. And I was like, Oh my God, like these guys, they're almost 50 and they love what they do, but they still have a life. And that really inspired me more than anything else. Cause I'm like, okay, there is a world outside of just sitting here and punching a clock. And that, that changed how it was. And then I just opened my eyes to everybody. And I still remember taking a lecture from Winnacuda and all of a sudden it's like, man, he Win. does some great yeah. work. And then I, I ended up visiting him in, at his practice in Hawaii, like years later. It was just one of these. Yeah. I remember that, seeing, I remember seeing him at the ACD like 12 years ago and just blew me out of the water oh, and maybe this beautiful, beautiful work. Mm -hmm. It's a common theme, isn't it boys? That's interesting, it is. isn't it? Very common theme in terms of people that find the next level is finding those mentors and, and just feeling passionate for it. I, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if, if people like uh, even outside of dentistry really understand how important a variety of mentors are. I just don't know if everyone grasps that. And the ones that do, they become successful. And it's not about just um, learning something and then moving on and pushing them aside. It's actually building a little community of mentors and doing it a, a two ways. Yeah, I think it's the only way you find, like I always used to joke where I'd hear people that, you know, came to Dawson Academy and they'd say, well, I have a Dawson practice. And I want to say, well, there was really only one Dawson practice, you know I mean? It was right, Dawson's right. practice. And, and you have to have this variety because what you're trying to do is find your way. I mean, you're trying to copy the excellence of all these people, but in, in the end, I think when you're most happy in your practice is it's, is exactly what you said. It's when you find your way to approach your patients in the circumstances that you have and you, mm -hmm. you defined it. I mean, you don't have patients that can write $50,000 checks. And a lot of times no. I don't either. And right. so, and I don't know about you, but I find those patients when we get all done and we've found a way to navigate through this, this treatment plan that takes five years, they're often the ones that are most appreciative that we've taken. Uh, I, I agree. You know, it's, um, I, I think, there's there's too much concern about uh oh i've got like you know maybe it's a little less than i don't know but i i know growing up uh, well, i mean growing up you know when i first started dentistry what did we do we were always focused on hey how many crowns did you do how fast did you get those wisdom teeth out how many veneers did you do uh we were comparing all of that and uh and now it's it's understanding that if you've got that patient and you're kind of they're they're within your practice, maybe, maybe you're farming out certain disciplines, but they're a continuing care patient of yours. They're a long-term care patient. And if you're, if you're spreading that treatment out over five years, you're still getting paid from That's a right. financial point. That's it's right. an annuity, right? So you either get the 10 grand now or over five years, it might be worth 14 grand because the fees go up and the lab fees goes up. But, but you've also got a, a regular continuing care patient who potentially is an ambassador for your practice. It's also amazing that when you start to have a little downturn, how some of these people just show up after their ortho, you know, and they're ready for the next thing, you know I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. No. And I've, and I've had a, a number of patients and, a, and when I talk about this in, in some of my teachings, uh, you know, I'll give examples of patients who they finish the ortho and then, you know, they haven't had the money afterwards to continue with the work immediately. 
but they stage it and every year they'll might do a bridge or a couple of implants or grafting or whatever it is. And you just do it over a period of time and it still fits in their life. Um, but, again, but the most important thing is you have to have that crystal clear picture at the end. That's the key. And that's the hard part. You know? Correct. Uh, I, I have that. Uh, I have a slide in my lectures uh, quote of Peter and uh, man, I remember the first time I met him, it was at restorative Academy. And I felt like uh, I was, I was in my late forties, but I still was like a gushing teenager going up. Hi, Dr. Dawson. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've always wanted to you know, say hello to you and blah, blah, blah. But I, I've got this uh, phrase about, you know, to, to get a proper diagnosis, you have to have a, a, a visualized endpoint. And uh, that's what you're saying. I mean, it's yeah. just something he always taught that, right? And, and you yeah. know that personally because he was a close friend of yours. But Peter, that, that was the one thing he taught is, you know, you've got to have that visualized endpoint and that goal. If you work backwards with every patient, um, it works. But if you, if you do it the other way, um, it's always going to be fragmented. Well, God, God knows where you'll end up, right? I mean, God. right, right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know. It's just a hope and a prayer. And uh, that really made a difference in how I approach things. Um, and you, you all know that. I mean, not everyone is going to accept that approach in terms of patience, but it's still, that's just my approach when I meet every new patient or every existing patient that I'm having a, a new conversation with. It's always about What's your end point and how do we get you there? Great. So PO number five yeah. there, but yeah, Price, you were talking about uh, after eight years, you were feeling like you're burning out and, yeah. and uh, a big thing that we focus on is, you know, that work life balance. I mean, John's been a big mentor with me with that. And yeah. what do you, what do you do? Uh, you alluded to it at the beginning, but what do you do outside of dentistry on a weekly basis or, you know, that to keep you balanced outside of work and keep you focused and not burning out? Um, that's hard because I, I, I live and breathe it. I love what I do. I really do probably more than, you know, I probably should, but, uh, but you know, honestly, uh, uh, a lot of it, I, I, when I try and get my mind away from it, um, I love sports and if I, uh, you know, so in the summer we have a short summer here for golf. So that's what I would like to do. Um, I'm a, I'm, I'm a huge hockey and football fan. So I'm always following that. And, and do, watching. Do you, do you do college or, or pros? Uh, no, I, I love the NFL. I'm going to send you a hokey t-shirt. We're going to get yes. you. <laughs> All right. I got PO involved. So. Yes. Okay. I've been, I've been to, I've been to a Texas Longhorns game. That was crazy. I saw them in UCLA and I'd love to go uh, back and check out some, some college football as well. Uh, I love NFL football. It's just something I enjoy I, almost as much as watching hockey. Um, and I love listening to music, all types of music. So I'll just put on a Spotify list of some sort. And I grew up in the 70s. So uh, anything in the 70s, right from the Bee Gees to like Led Zeppelin, like you name it, any of the classic I bet we songs. listen to the same stuff, man. I oh, <laughs> I just love it. I, um, I went to, uh, I had to see ACDC the last time and I couldn't get to see them in Winnipeg. So I flew to Foxborough and watched them at, uh, in Boston there. Drag my wife, who does not like concerts at all, and just made sure she was there. It was just one bang in your head. Things. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Who's your team? Then, Which is who's your NFL team? Is are you Vikings guy? Um. Yeah. You know what? Honestly, I I this, I know this sounds weird. I I I haven't really. I don't have a set team. Look, for years and years. Can, can you a, just can you just please say New England just to make PO man? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so a couple of things. If I had to say that it was one team that I followed for years and years, it was the Dolphins because I just love Dan Marino. But I never got to see him play. I got a chance to see Tom Brady play in Chicago two years ago. I was blown away in his mid-40s how he dominated the Bears that game. And I have a newfound respect for him after that. Um, Bud Grant was uh, coached our Winnipeg Blue Bombers to a whole bunch of great cups, and then he went to the Vikings and took them to four losing seasons in the Super Bowl. But still, so yeah, a little bit of that. But I just like good football. I yeah. just enjoy it, and uh, enjoyed the the Super Bowl last year as well. 
hockey, though, it's got to be the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, I'm just a diehard Jets fan. So you like go to the games? Season? Yeah, tickets? I've got season tickets. Awesome! So, uh, That's yeah, great. So love it, love it. My buddy and I have them, and our family likes it. And yeah, it's cool. That's it's great. The best. It's the best. So let me uh, let me change directions a little bit here, um, and we'll talk a little bit about vision because I do think that you know, one of the things that's kind of been a common theme in this podcast is. And, and we've been practicing the same amount of time and, and, you know, you come out of school and you kind of have one vision and it, I think it's important as you grow that you kind of have to keep resetting the bar. And, and so how do you do that? I mean, how, how often do you work on your vision? Is there a specific time and talk us through that process a little bit. All right. So I had one years ago and it was, it, it was, you know, just to kind of focus on more of how I wanted to practice, like when I first got out and it was more related to how I want to connect with the patients and the environment I wanted. I started working with a practice management coach a year ago. I, I've known her and her husband's a periodontist uh, through the Seattle Study Club. Her name is Jerry Gottlieb. And Jerry, uh, I don't know, David, if you know Jerry at all or know of her. I know um, the name. I do. Yeah. yeah so, uh, and she, I, I wanted to refocus how I wanted to practice. And as I knew I was going to be uh, building a new space and everything. So she took a different approach with me last year. It was about a year ago and said, listen, uh, she introduced me to a book by Patrick Lencioni, The Advantage. The and Advantage. It was all The Advantage. And uh, I've read a couple of his other books before. One of them was The Ideal Team Player. And I just loved what I was reading. So, and and basically it was, she worked with me on vision. I'm thinking like, and and on core values. And, and I'm like, okay, I don't know, how am I going to build my new practice on this stuff? Like, this isn't what I was thinking of. I, I, why do you want to, like, how do you approach it from a leadership point of view and then, and then build this new vision? I, I just, it was, I couldn't compute with that. But I ended up starting with a vision. My vision is I truly believe, I, like changing people's smiles and confidence or changing people's confidence and self-esteem one smile at a time and and i truly believe that dentistry is one of the only professions that can actually make an impact on a person's well-being and self-esteem almost instantly when i say almost instantly if you have a problem with self-esteem it can take a while through a psychologist or a psychiatrist it can take a while going through plastic surgery and other things like that to fix up your face. But in dentistry, you can get a person out of excruciating pain and they can feel better or even do some conservative bonding and make them feel better about their smile and their self-esteem. And so what, what my vision is, is working that way. And then I, and then she helped me set up um, some core values on how you want to work, you know, about leadership, about, uh, you know, putting the team ahead of, um, ahead of uh, yourself about always raising the bar. And I still wasn't able to wrap all that together with the vision. So my, my next thing was what we call these strategic anchors. And basically I want to build a practice. I decided as I'm going to do my last eight or 10 years, how do I want to, I, I know what the vision is. I know how we're going to practice as a team, you know, in terms of stepping up, putting everyone ahead of one another so that we could serve our patients better. But what is our little driver? Well, the driver is I want to have a practice that focuses on comprehensive interdisciplinary dentistry, which means when I meet everyone, I want to talk about the big picture and not about just the tooth. Number two, I want the patients to partner in their care. And she helped me with that word, Jerry, um, because I, I, if a patient comes in and they just want a cleaning or they just want the tooth fix and they don't want that, do I really want to build the rest of my practice that way? I don't at this stage in my career. I think you can understand that, John, right? Yeah. At the beginning, you just grab everything. Now it's like, yeah, if you really don't value what periodontal therapy is about, well, maybe there's a practice down the street. It's okay. But I don't want to do that anymore. I want to enjoy the people that want to care for for their practice. And so, and I want to bring in the uh, more of the oral wellness part of things. So that's how I've defined it. So when you say, have I changed it? Yeah. And I've really honed in on that over the last nine months. And 
I sat over the COVID break through Zoom with my team. Not everyone came back. <laughs> it's okay. Some of it was my choice. Some of it was their choice. But I wanted a group that was aligned with that and wanted to work that way. I love it. And a couple comments, and this is something that I've always, I learned early and, and I learned it some from Pete and Larry Gazzardo and some of the people that I've worked with. But, you know, I, we always talk about the clarity of vision creates a clarity of choice. And, and so the clarity of choice also is not just your choice. It's the team's choice. Like they get right. to choose, like once you're clear about the vision, they get to choose whether that's what they want or not. And the other thing that's crazy is that the patients that get to choose, because if you're not clear about the vision, then you just end up with a bunch of people that you may or may not be able to be happy. But if you're clear, the people that want that find you. It's freaking amazing, but that's how it works. And that's what I'm hoping for, because it, it was one of those where I've got a busy practice, but you know, um, I don't know how you guys felt during this whole 10 weeks or so that we were kind of cooped up. My first three to four, I was focused on reading literature. I was helping a group of people locally and we were focusing on trying to help our dental association. Then the next three weeks, I was feeling sorry for myself. Just isolated myself <laughs> yeah, from everything yeah. going, oh my God, life's over, career's over. And then it was like, no, do I really want to go back to January where I was sometimes seeing 15 to 20 patients a day plus three hygienists. Yeah. No, I was running on a treadmill. I couldn't connect with my patients. I was doing a lot of just reparative dentistry again and fitting in some of the comprehensive dentistry because I was just busy. And I was like, no, this is ridiculous. Why don't I just reset? And part of it was, oh my God, like what if everyone says they want to quit dentistry, my entire team, either they don't want to work for Shaw or they just want to do something else because they're scared. And I was like, okay, well, the worst thing that'll happen is I start over. And how do I start over? I get one hygienist, one admin, and one assistant, and you just rebuild the practice. Is it that bad? Well, no, not really. So that's how I started getting back to connecting with everyone on Zoom on a personal level and figuring out, okay, what does everyone want in their life? And that's how we pieced it back. So you, you hit it on the head, John. Um, it was one of those where they have a choice as well. And a couple are like, you know what? I think I'm going to move on. And, that, and that's okay. Okay. So yeah. I love it. Love I that. love it. That's beautiful. So, so and, and, and for, oh, go ahead, Prash. Just one, one thing. All I want to say is part of it is, and it, it's hard to convey this to docs. And I'm sure you understand this, uh, all of you is accepting like just getting over the fear of either losing a team member or losing a patient uh, because patients are going to move for a variety of reasons including if they don't connect with you and staff are going to move I, I i've got friends who yeah they've had people for 30 and 35 years at the same time some of them they're, they're not growing they're doing lateral movements or they're staying like here i don't want to do that. I want to always have leaps. The moment it I flatline, I'm going to quit. I just don't want to flatline. Totally, That's me. I totally agree 100%. with that. That's me. So the fear of losing someone, and uh, whether it's a patient or a team member, is liberating. Um, yeah, and liberating. I and I and I yeah, think you can yeah. you can then have a very clear expectation. And, you know, I remember Jim Pride teaching me about the purpose triad and and explaining to them that you know, our, the, I like you and our, we have a relationship, but the reason we're here is for you to help me fulfill this purpose and, and to create this. And, and if you don't want to help me do this, we can still be friends, but you can't be here. Right. You know what right. I mean? It sounds harsh, but, but that's the reality of it. That's yeah. the reality. Yeah. yeah for sure. I love that too. And it's funny because <laughs> the first time you actually break free from that fear and have that conversation, you right. realize it doesn't have to be this adversarial conversation. No. It's just people being honest with one another. So I love you had the vision. I love you shared it with your team and took, you know, COVID more as an opportunity than an obstacle. I think that's a huge take home lesson for everybody who's listening here. And the third part, I guess I look at is you have this, you have this shift that you're making and you've got your team yeah. on board with the direction. And, you know, geographically, we all do this differently. And by style, <laughs> we do this differently. But as, as you go forward now, 
how do you share with your community? You know, how do you, how do you market in essence, this new vision to, to bring your practice that where you dirty, want That to dirty M word, the M the word. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm glad you're asking me that. Maybe you can help me on that a little bit because I've been thinking about this all week. I've been thinking about it for a long time, but now this is exactly where I got. I've got one more administrator starting in a week. And then all of a sudden, we've got most pretty well our pieces together. And it's like, how do we market this? Well, I still feel very strongly that the number one thing, and I told my new administrator who has 20 years experience has been with me about six or seven weeks. I said, here's what we need to do. Our first thing is the, the least expensive way to initially market is to reconnect and build the relationship back with the existing patient base, because it doesn't cost us anything for our existing patients when they come in for hygiene, continuing care, periodontal therapy, a filling, whatever it is. We've got them in the chair and it's about, uh, like I've had two patients this week where they said to me, oh my God, I don't recognize anybody here, Presh, because you know what? In the last 18 months out of my eight team members, I only have one left. It's completely turned it over, okay? The energy is different. The atmosphere is so much better. Um, everyone is happier. They're working together. They're stepping up. And I just said, yeah, you know, people do move on. It's unfortunate this person, that person is not here. But you know what? I said, we've got a very happy team and we're here to serve you. And uh, welcome back. But you know what? I'm here. And so is Aaron, my hygienist. And don't worry, we've got you. And that's what we did. Instead of going, yeah. I don't know. Like you, you just got to, it, the energy itself is just completely different where they're coming in. So the first thing is connecting with the patients, whatever, all the patients that you rescheduled during COVID for continuing care, as long as they get you back in, you got one more chance to redefine how you're meeting them. And it doesn't cost you anything except a smile and listening to them. Um, so that's number one. Number two, as long as we've got that, then uh, we've changed since just before COVID where myself and my young associate, we've said, we are going to start, when we're diagnosing treatment, he and I and our assistants are going to start booking our restorative appointments right in the chair with me and with him. Because the best value is still hearing it from the doc. And if I click the schedule and go, hey, John, you know, what day of the week do you have the most control over? Monday, Tuesday, you know, whatever. And you say, oh, any morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Boom. I put it in there. They're not no showing anymore (laughs) because they booked it with me. And again, it's about creating value rather than them walk. And that's, I'm, I'm talking about internal marketing now. This is what it is. It's just creating value because you know what that thing is, that 20 or 40 paces down the hall and they get this brain lapse and next thing you know, <laughs> well, how come they didn't book that crown? Well, what do you mean they didn't book the crown? Or, well, or, they, or they go out and it's July and they book the crown like in February or something. It's like, right. <laughs> or, or, or they yeah. book it like in two weeks when you have a couple of open mornings. Like, and you're right, yeah. to me, I, one of the things we do at Huddle is I always talk about sort of the next like where we are for the day, day to day, right. and sort of when the ideal slot is. So I love that because I love to be able to say to the patient, well, I have some time next Tuesday if that's good for you. And it's amazing when yeah. I say that, they go up front and say, well, wait, he said Tuesday. You know, they're yeah. like, no, I mean, <laughs> you know, like, no, I didn't think it would happen, but it is. And so, yeah. so, so in terms of marketing, my focus right now with this new team is to, because, you know, except for Aaron, who's been with me for eight years as a hygienist, I have three assistants that have been about a year, and then the rest are all new. The other four are new. Um, I, I, I said, listen, let's just get to know one another. Let's connect. Let's see what everyone ticks. I will start blocking off time to start training hygiene in terms of what my thought process is, but let's do that and let's connect with patients because we don't have to pay any money. They're, they're, they've agreed to come in one more time. It's for us to blow it. So that's what I'm focusing on over the next six months. What am I going to do for the rest of it? I'm, 
I'm work. I'm actually going to start rebranding the practice and the practice name. And so that's going to be done through, uh, through our website and through Instagram and through, um, Facebook. Beautiful. And we're going to do it that way. But, uh, I've, the last three months I pur- purposefully have not been posting on my Instagram very much right now because I just been focusing on my knee and focusing on the practice and the team. Can you tell um, us your, can, can you tell us your Instagram so people can follow you? Yeah. It's Dr. Paresh Shaw. That's okay. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You're an old guy. No, no little yeah. hashtags or un- <laughs> uh, that's it. You know what? I, I, I'm I just John C. Cranham DDS. You know what I mean? So I'm- <laughs> that's what it is. But I, but I do have a hashtag that I started and it was, it's hashtag dentistry up North. Oh, and so, love it. Uh, and I stick a Canadian flag there and I just, cause I'm proud to be Canadian PO yes. and that's yes, just one of those of things. So, um, hey, come on, you can, you can give me a little love on the oh, Canadian. Oh yeah, of course. It's <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So there's three of us here. Redonding, yeah. And it's one of those where I just feel, uh, we've got such a broad country. We've got some amazing clinicians and I've, I've been trying hard to rally and get a bunch of us together. And so we're, we've actually, I've actually got, let me know if you're on Instagram PO because I've got a, I've got a Canadian Instagram, uh, pod that created with a bunch of really good people right across the country, right from Vancouver all the way to Halifax. And oh, we'll, we'll share cases together. We'll chat. And we'll yeah, jump on that, Pio. Jump on yeah, that. I got, I got a, I'm, I'm, I'm so late yeah. to the game with Instagram, but I'm going to get on it. That'd be yeah, awesome. I yeah. love it. But, love but it. that's where those are the two ways that we're going to do it. But, uh, but I just believe that the, the, the least expensive way is your internal marketing. Now, Absolutely. if you don't have, if you don't have it, then you've really got to define your vision and figure out how you're going to do it and what kind of demographic you're looking for. And I, as much as I, I know that Instagram is huge, I still think that there's value in having a Facebook presence and a, and a decent website as well. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't agree more. How about Fresh, you? We, yeah, I was going to, I mean, this is, I mean, the turnover you just had, it's incredible. I'm, yeah, that's amazing. You're dead. one staff from eight last year. So, I mean, this question is interesting for you, but I mean, now yeah. that you have all this new staff, I mean, yeah. how are you getting them on board with your vision? And are you going to be having like uh, uh, regular meetings? Cause you've got this whole yeah. new team, right? Right. So uh, it was interesting because uh, we used to, um, I used to have these, you know, once a month, hour and a half. I used to cram it in over lunch. Didn't know if you're getting paid, not paid. You're sitting there and it was just chaotic. And that was when Jerry Gottlieb had started with us. And she's like, no, no, you really have to have structured meetings. Her, if she had it her way in my practice, I'd be having two hours minimum a week. And I'm thinking, you want me to give up eight hours of productivity, like a full day of productivity in an entire month to have meetings and I'm thinking like, okay, but now I'm starting to see the value of meetings. So as I piece the team together, now when I get back next week, I'm going to actually start plotting out my schedule and I am going to take it from productive time. I'm not going to cram it in over a lunch hour anymore. Like I used to do because I want and pay them right and and pay them and do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to schedule my plan is to at least starting is to probably schedule an hour and a half meeting, a team meeting once a month. Then I'm going to schedule probably anywhere from 40 to 60 minutes a week. One week would be with hygiene. One week would be with the admin team and the, my associate. And, and one would be with the dental assistants. And with hygiene, what I used to do in the past that I haven't done for a while, it's going to be more of a treatment planning interactive format. So where I will a case up, I'll put either some pictures or I'll put up some x-rays or perio chart, whatever it is, not just focusing on perio. And we just talk, what do you see? What are you looking at? Because I want, um, I want them to understand uh, my brain and how it works in an interdisciplinary manner. But in terms of meetings, I want to start, the thing I didn't do was have intentional meetings. And there's another book by Lencioni called Death by Meeting. <laughs> I read that and it's like, it's true. You know, it's a fable. And he's talking about how, you know, he's going into a meeting and they're just not structured and they think it's great. And everyone's doing, it's just having an intentional meeting where 
we're going to have an agenda. We're going to do two or three things that we want to focus on. We're not going to get steered away by negativity, which would always be the case because we'd come in and we'd go, well, what didn't go well? What didn't go well? Well, let go, look, let's focus on what went well and let's try and replicate it. Absolutely. And and so I want to start working that way. So when I say want, I'm working on this right now, guys. I'm reshaping how I want to do it. And I'm realizing now that if I allocate whatever it is, five to eight hours a month, it's not a lot, that if I can get everyone on the same page, we're going to be good. So what I've been doing up until this point, because I've been easing myself back from COVID, I've had time. So I can, if we have pockets of time, I'll sit with the assistants or I'll sit with the hygienist. Now the schedule is starting to roll. So I have to block it off in there. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe it's important to not just cram it in over lunch while you're snarfing down food. Um, Preston, I'm sorry, just yeah. to clarify, Preston. So you're saying one, once a week, uh, one week of the month will be a two hour full staff meeting. And yeah. then each of the other weeks will be an hour meeting with admin Hygiene and I, I think what I, I think what I want to do is uh, I'm still scared to do, you know, 12 or 14 hours a time. So my thought was I would in one, like maybe, maybe week one, I will have um, a hygiene meeting. Maybe okay. week two, I will have a more formalized like, meeting with like, de like department meetings, right? Yeah, department meetings. Yeah, right. So we have one department meeting a month. I, that's what I'm thinking right now. I don't know what you guys do, but, and see how that goes. Um, I think it's because, great. And, and so I'm, but I want to, I want to just block it off in the schedule. And uh, I think once we do that and we get back to putting uh, some goals, I also sat with my new administrator last week and I, I basically said, look, let's, let's template out an ideal day. Uh, what is my ideal day? What do I want in there? When I was younger, my, I had a, uh, a younger in my profession, I had uh, an administrator that was in her 50s. And she says, Presh, rather than being me just throwing things around, why don't you tell me when you like doing root canals, when you like doing a crown, when you like doing like quadrant fillings? I go, why? And she goes, I want to take the stress away from you. So we blocked it. And we go, okay, two days a week, we're going to have a two-hour block for endo, two hours for this. And she templated it, and it worked. Uh, we didn't go crazy in having 12 things during the week. So I went away from that, and it was just a mishmash. So now we, we've started, I, I laid out how I want to template my days. And she says, well, you're not going to have all this full-mouth treatment for four days. And I go, I know that. I need to diagnose and treatment plan. But why don't we just pick one day? A week that we can try and work towards if I can get one patient where I can I can see for five hours or I can see two patients for two hours each that's how we start and we build on it and then maybe a few months later the second day and then maybe a few six months later we'll have a third day but maybe by the time we get into our new practice I'll have my three ideal days and my fourth day will be my my recording filming and just having fun dentistry you know testing out products and stuff. So the meetings are there. I structured, uh, I, I sat and discussed my ideal day and we're going to template that with the meetings into the schedule. Love it. Love it. I love it. Yeah. You know, awesome. it's interesting. I, I think back in my career and, you know, different practice management people. And of course the focus group I was with Pete and, you know, way back um, he, I was working five days a week and he told me to, take have a four-hour meeting on Friday and not mm -hmm. practice and he right. said if you plan the next week in those four hours I promise you'll produce more than the five hours you're running around and it and it happened and and it's amazing you know we've heard this concept of block scheduling over and over and over and over and I don't know what yeah. it is about us dentists but we do that and then we gradually start to get away from it and correct and yeah. then we start hating it you know, we start right. hating what we're doing because we, we don't have yeah. time to do the things that we love to do at the level that we want to do it. So what, what, I, yeah. what I love about listening to you right now is we can hear the excitement and passion in your voice, yes. which is really cool. Well, I'm starting, you know, last year, Peel, you were saying, well, how, you know, this whole shift. Well, you know what? I didn't enjoy coming in to work in my own practice because <laughs> I had people that weren't engaged where they were punching a clock and I I was so fearful of 
you know, worrying, Oh my God, what if three of them leave all next week? And and so you're just like, you tiptoe around it. And then it's like, nah, this is ridiculous. Like if I'm going to invest this time and money and energy into a new space, I got to start it and do it. And yeah, maybe some patients will go, wow, man, there's so much turnover. I don't want to go back there anymore. That's fine. But there's a lot that won't. (laughs) And like I said, if they just, it's just that one chance, you you just need one opportunity to make it into a positive rather than uh, the fear of losing it. And, uh, and that's where, uh, that's where I'm trying to instill that with everybody in the office right now is just start by giving everyone a smile and asking them how they're doing and just opening up a dialogue and anyone can do that. If you can just smile nicely, even if you, I mean, one of our assistants just turned 21, it's okay. But if she can smile and ask the patient how they're doing, we have an opportunity of having them come back a second time. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I got one more question for you and then we're going to, we're probably going to thank you and have you sign off and then we're going to talk about you a little bit. <laughs> okay. um, but, but anyway, the thing, the thing that, uh, the thing that I've enjoyed most about this and, and, and doing this podcast is that we just hear passion. You know, the people that we're inviting on is there's just this passion in their voices and they love what they're doing. They love dentistry like we do. And what I want to know is, um, as you're working on things and as you're doing all this, where does the juice come from? Like where, what's driving you, man? I mean, what, what's, where is this coming from inside of you? Oh, you know what? Just had dinner, uh, outside dinner with, uh, with three of my friends and our, uh, just two nights ago. And we've all been practicing 25 years or more. And it was the same thing that we're going like, oh my God, these young kids, like one of them has a practice with right across from me with like 20 docs and a whole bunch of young associates. None of them wanted to come back full time. None of them after COVID, the young ones. And he was like, oh, you just don't have the drive and the motivation. I wish I had an answer, John. Mine comes from um, just loving what I do and, and finding that this isn't a dentistry for me is not a means to an end in terms of, okay, I got a target and I know now I'm, I turned 60 next year and I'm going to retire because that's what you do. Um, it's, it's a passion that I'm still making a difference that I'm still healthy and that I want, I just want to go in there and enjoy, but I don't want to have the stress and, of oh my God, I have to do this. I have to see, 20 patients and I have to do that. And I or think make, if or can, make this number, right? Like I, I got to make that number. The numbers are still going to have to be Oops. there. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, and, and, and I know you, you'll have targets and everything. I'm going to have targets, but it's about just going in there and making a difference. And if it's making a difference on the, the young team members that are working for you to inspire them or, or motivating and inspiring a patient to, do something different to all of a sudden find out like, Oh my God, I've made a difference. Like one of the best things I had a patient, uh, was the, um, brother-in-law of my orthodontist buddy. We do tons of interdisciplinary dentistry. And, um, I, I did one of these digital smile design mock-ups on him a few years ago. And he actually started tearing up a bit because this is what I want. I couldn't see my teeth, went through all the ortho orthomantic surgery, finished the veneers. And, um, I was taking some pictures, post-op pictures. I brought them back. I said, can I take some, put a photo studio and I started taking pictures. And he stood in the mirror and he started tearing up. He's 50 years old and he started tearing up and I had a young doc next to me helping me doing some filming. He goes, oh, this is an Instagram moment. And I said, no, I know it's an Instagram moment. This is his moment. He's waited for this. We're just going to watch him. We're not taking a picture. We're not filming. We're not doing anything. Just let him have his moment. I love that. And he, and he just teared up. And then he says, you know what? I got to learn how to smile again. And that is what drives me. And I just think that if you take dentistry or whatever you're doing, you can be an accountant, a lawyer, and you're just doing it to, to work eight to five, nine to five and get that paycheck. It's a problem. It's not a problem. It just doesn't work for me. So I would, you know, it's like Simon Sinek said, what's your why? Well, find your why. Mm-hmm. Finances are important. I get all that. But you can live a good life doing dentistry. You're not going to die rich, but you're going to live a good life if you're just 
if you love it and you're going to have that passion. Uh, I still think even with COVID and even this time in dentistry right now, I still believe it's, you know, even with all the debt you get, Mm -hmm. I still believe that it is one of the best professions out there. But if you're doing it for the money, don't do it. Mm -hmm. Do it because you love it. Right. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite books, um, along the way, and, and I, I kind of read it right when I turned 50, but it was the book called from success to significance. And that's what we're talking about here. You know, at some point you got to get successful enough where you have saved enough and you, you know, you, you basically have your, the things that you need covered right. education for your kids and all that stuff. But right. yeah. you, we're both sort of in the time of our life where we want to be significant. And, and you're right. I mean, there's something about, I, I read one time that if, if somebody doesn't smile, like if they can't smile and be confident to smile, they have the hard time feeling the emotion of being happy. Right. It's an amazing thing when you think about it. And so yeah. I think that's what we feel when we make somebody be able to smile again. That human being is different in a, in a much better way. And, and I mean, you're right. Attorneys never feel that. That's just such a great way. It's just a great way to finish. But anyway, let's go around the, I'm going to go first. Presh, this was amazing. Thank you. you know, you're a busy guy. You've got a lot in your plate. Thank oh, you so I, much for coming on. I know, I love this. You know our, our listeners are going to love this. So great seeing you again. And yeah, uh, pleasure. I hope our I past. appreciate it very much. Theo, do yeah, you? Uh, yeah, so Presh, I've, I've heard only amazing things about you for so many years. I mean, being a fellow Canadian dentist and it's, I'm so happy to finally meet you and I can't wait yeah. uh, when we cross paths and, you know, meet in person. I'd love to meet you. It'd be, yeah, this, has been, this has been amazing. Thanks. No, please reach out. Keep in touch. You got my email and send me a text if you want. And yeah, I, be great. I Did you hear me? Said reach me. Out, out. I heard the little out. out. I know. It's <laughs> the Canadian one. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, we're losing this battle on turf. There's a border. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and now we're not allowed in. Darn it all. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, Fresh. Thanks so much for your time. You you amaze me every time I, I get to hear you talk, and, and and you're an inspiration to a lot of people. So oh, thanks, David. Keep I love what person. you're doing. I love what all of you are doing, and what you're doing for young docs, and um, just keep it up. It's it great. Up. This is this was awesome. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Thanks buddy. So Cheers. Have a Thank good day. We're gonna we're gonna trash talk you, but anyway, no. <laughs> 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 okay. See you later. Take care, guys. All right, bye. bye. Thank you, Fresh. Bye. Nice guys. Great guy, man. Yeah, super, super. Super. So takeaways, David, what do you think? What do you what do you what is your takeaway on this? Uh, so, I, man, there's a lot of takeaways, but I want to kind of hone in on one that I think maybe some people um, gloss over a little bit, and that's you take somebody who is as accomplished, successful, and significant, as you mentioned, John, like Paresh, and what I heard him say today, and I think what we all felt as he said it is, he has fears just like everybody Absolutely. else. Yes. And he had to overcome those fears. So here is this, you know, epic dentist that people think wakes up in the morning and puts his pants on different and his shoes on different and lives different. But we're all the same human being. It's just what we do to overcome those fears and take on those challenges. And I loved that he was that vulnerable and shared that. Yeah, I tell you what I took away that I loved was I loved this concept of here he is at 59 years old, building an office and reinventing himself, you know? And what I loved is as he talked about taking this COVID thing, which started as, you know, he mentioned in the middle there, he had, was having a pity party that he, he reframed it and got, a, got chance a chance to kind of really think about what he wanted. And you could hear the passion in his voice. I mean, you could hear how excited he's, he was. And, you know, and I think that is a good lesson for all of us. Not only that, to hear a guy like this that does have some staff people that aren't interested in what he's doing, you know, and, and that it was okay to change some of those things. Um, like you say, fear and passion, persistence, all those things that we see in people that just are incredibly talented and com- incredibly successful. It just doesn't happen, right? right? It just doesn't happen. There's, there's things that people do, that make it happen. How about you, P.O.? What did you take away? 
Well, I, I mean, I, that was incredible. I, I wrote so many notes. I was writing notes about what you and Fresh <laughs> were saying, to be honest. It's all here. I mean, and, and, you know, I had to push the reset button on my practice too. And, and that was inspiring because you would think, you know, he's at a point, well, do you want to reset your practice at his stage in his career? And the fact that he overcame any fears to do that, because I was fearful to reset my practice and it's only been for the better. And, and what, and it's so true. Not everybody's going to be on board, uh, staff or patients. And don't be afraid for that because if, if they're going to compromise your vision and your passion, well then, you know, it's not a good fit. So that was inspiring because it's, it's never too late to reset is what is what I thought was a big takeaway. Like you said, John, and that's, that's huge. And then the last thing that I would just say that um, we see in all these people is, you know, finding mentors that fit you. Yes. You know, you know, he, he didn't try to reinvent the wheel. He went out there and found people that were initially close to him. And then he went to the Koi center and, you know, and, and, and different places. So we all have to have that, got to have the juice, but then you got to have the people that will take years off your career by copying excellence. Well, guys, I think this is a great one. I hope our listeners enjoyed it. And, uh, if, uh, we just are going to continue to, to keep on. One of the things we're going to add uh, to the listeners, if you have any questions for us, you can reach out to us on um, on Instagram. Uh, you can do John C. Cranham DDS. You want to do Ignite? What do you've got for? Yeah, just add Ignite DDS. Easy to reach. Yeah. Do you have any questions uh, for us that you'd like us to finish up with? That's something we want to start adding in. So, uh, again, thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks, Pio. Thanks, David. And until next time, uh, we'll see you soon. Stay safe, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys.